But we are not in the same boat. Like some of us are gray whales and we can just, we're like, ooh, it's a fun little ride today. And, you know, and and I can travel 10,000 miles away from this storm and be fine. And others are like little bitty sardines, which are just getting tossed up in the air. Out of the air. <laughs> and they're like, now I'm completely disoriented. I don't know where I am. Everything is wrong. And, and so if we were really in this together, mm-hmm. a lot of our behaviors would be really different, including some of the things we already talked about. Everybody mm-hmm. would be wearing a mask. Right. Everybody staying six feet away from each other. Everybody would be ensuring that their neighbor or or or, or, or their people yeah. have everything that they need, and hmm. we would say, okay, you know, this is mm-hmm. this is really bad, but we're gonna. And if we didn't have a society that was so driven by certain economic inequalities that exist, right. we feel this pressure to go back to, uh, you know, normal. Mm-hmm. before it's really appropriate to, and I think there could be creative ways. We'd be much more creative problem solvers. Welcome to the Hardwood Podcast, a program dedicated to sharing ideas, thoughts, and voices of respected professionals in environmental studies that care about diversity, equity, and inclusion. They all have lived and have work experiences that add to their outlook and understanding of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we on the Hardwood Podcast are committed to sharing the voice as well as making space for others to ponder our dialogues. We brought back someone from the first season. My friend, my scientist and scholar and great professor, Dr. Jennifer Verdolin. She continues to amaze and teach people about how we are connected as humans to the animal kingdom, what we have in common and our differences. So even during this difficult time of COVID-19, let's learn from Dr. Verdolin as we can see what our animals are doing and then maybe we can learn from their behavior too. And as always, I ask you to send your thoughts and feedback to thomas.easley at yale.edu to let us know if you have ideas of speakers or future topics that we need to cover on the Hardwood Podcast. That's true, yeah. I mean, first, thank you. I mean, it is true, because when we did the last episode, we were in person. We were. Yeah, we were in uh, in in, uh, in Arizona. And uh, that was fun in the studio. Oh, man, that was so much fun that day. Yeah, with George. Your show for mine, too. Oh. <laughs> George, oh George, the character George, oh my goodness, oh yes, yes. Well, yeah. you know, I, I, but I, I still love connecting with you. You know, like like you know, like uh, like this, and we'll be able to be in person again uh, sometime. You know, um, in the in the future. But I'm glad you're safe, healthy, same here. Yep. Um, and uh, I really wanted to talk back with you because I've been I've been watching your recent videos. You know, still still following you on Instagram. Loving them, commenting on them, I know too. So, you know, so there's proof. <laughs> and, but there's so much, you know, brilliance is, I always say it for me, it's just, it's expected because I know you. But there's a lot more insight to that. You know, I think that, that, that I see in when you are doing comparisons or when you're juxtaposing, you know, animal behavior to human behavior, and you really speak about it, you know, very academically, but then I think you also speak about it very socially too, uh, in a way that brings people into that. I want to uh, first ask you about that for, before even going deeper. You know, like why? Why is that? How did you? How did you learn to do that? And I hope the way I characterize that is okay. You know, and what what drives you to do that? Because that is not seen often in our community, and in particular in the science community and in the professorial community. So, why? Yeah, so that's such a great question. It's it's really interesting because, in fact, in our community, our scientific community, it's been discouraged, right? Like right. you don't want to anthropomorphize animals. So what I've done is just zoomorphize people because we have a tendency to forget that we are, in fact, biological organisms. And, and while cultural and technological evolution and revolution has perhaps created a larger disconnect between our our nature and our our culture and the way our society the way that we interact the reality is is that some of the things that we do 
and are, 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 are really um, can be examined from that biological perspective. And how I came to do it was, was really recognizing in myself the difference between, I mean, it, it came about, the first book was Wild Connection, What Animal Courtship and Mating Tell Us About Human Relationships. Mm-hmm. And that was because I, I, I had such an abysmal dating life that I thought, how is it that a chicken, a hen, makes a better choice in mate than me with all of my intellectual, supposedly intellectual capabilities. And, you know, we always think of humans as this pinnacle of evolution, which I take issue with. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think that every species has places it excels and places where (laughs) it doesn't. And, um, (laughs) and so I thought, well, let me reflect on what are the principles. I know animal behavior and, and how are we, we're animals. So are we not succeeding in certain areas of our life because we're, we, we've, we've disconnected ourselves so fundamentally from some of the basic uh, principles of strategies of success in this world that other animals use and can we learn anything about when and why they choose certain strategies and how that could inform ourselves and and that to me has influenced and inspired me not only in my own life but then thinking about some of the common problems we have as organisms so we have relationship problems we have parenting problems we have work problems we have social problems uh and and you know, it's not to say this or that is better than another, but if you're not getting the results that you want, can we examine what we're doing, look for strategies, because one of the best things we have as humans is, is cultural evolution, where we can take information and, and, and books and other things and choose to behave differently, perhaps, uh, to achieve the goals that we say we want to have. And, and that is everything from true partnerships and relationships, uh, supportive friendships, healthy work uh, environments and achievements. And, uh, you know, we say we want a cooperative, co-equal society. At least some of us say that. But, but when we reflect on what we're really doing, there's a huge cognitive dissonance between what we're doing and what we say we want. So mm. my, my strategy has been, well... We look at this so deeply in other animals and they don't have time to make poor decisions. Poor decisions lead to death for most other species and and some individuals do better than others and there are different strategies for different environments and can we look at that and take anything from that and I personally feel like all of my relationships and my professional development has improved from that perspective. Gotcha. Okay. And even my communication. I mean, something as simple as communicating, other species work really, really hard to avoid miscommunication. And I observe that one of the fundamental problems in all human interactions seems to be miscommunication. So how is it that we have language that's so advanced, and yet we are so poor at communicating. Mm, true. Ooh. Yes, we are. Ooh. So those are questions that just come to me, and then I sort of think about it and think about a way to talk about it in a way that doesn't that challenges people to examine some things without raising barriers, right? Because when you talk about a turtle, nobody gets really offended. True. I like ah uh, yeah, and I and I think that yeah, because you 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 pull people in, I think smoothly, quickly too, <laughs> and then you know it's like you don't. I feel like you don't like necessarily let people go, you know, like with uh, you know like with the explanation, you know you um it's like you keep it in their face. I think that's also maybe part part of your personality too, you know, just to, you know, do you see me? I'm right here. I know you. You know, like do you hear me? You know, I'm, I'm talking straight to you. Because that, that's also the nature, I feel, of how you speak is that you bring it straight or, you know, like straight, straightforward. Um, which now I want to get into, a, I think, a typical a question that I feel is, uh, I mean, I, hope, I, I know that, you know, like you're, 
your your expertise is going to come out. But a question, especially about what's going on today, you know, with this pandemic, you know, was being COVID nineteen, being in quarantine, being at home, at home, you know, going out, having to wear masks, you know, wear wear gloves, be conscious of when you're going out and how far you're standing near people, next people, just all of these things, what you're touching, what you're not touching, sanitizing, all of that. Right. You know, could could you like just tell tell us, you know, from your perspective, can you like tell us about what we can see in animal behavior that can tell us about human behavior during the pandemic? Yeah, so there's a lot of avenues to, you know, dig into that there's there's the you know sort of social side and how difficult it is for many people to be so socially isolated you know especially because human beings are fundamentally social even though that spectrum might go from really introverted all the way to completely extroverted there's you know a lot of variability in how much social interaction individuals want Mm -hmm. Uh, but but the so so the social isolation is one where we can understand that social species need a certain amount of contact, and a lot of that contact happens physically. Um, you know, re- relationships are reinforced by physical contact, uh, the, whether it's hugs. You know, uh, and we learn to adjust when we might move away from people that we care about, but we miss them and we get to see them, and we usually hug, and there's some kind of you know, there's a whole chemical and physical communication there that's really part of maintaining social bonds. And in a lot of animals, that's done through grooming, it's done through hugging, it's done through cuddling. It's, you know, there's a lot of different um, elements. And, and, and so we're seeing some of those challenges. What we also can see is that during times of disease spread, there are some species that adjust that physical proximity and modify their social behavior. So one classic example, it's quite fascinating um, because people may know that um, bats, at least in North America, are, are, have been exposed to a pathogen, white nose syndrome. It was actually traced back to one caver who came from Europe to a North American cave. It was presumably on his shoes. And European bats had co-evolved with this pathogen. It's fine. Doesn't really affect them. North American bats, not so much. We're seeing a collapse of of populations of bats. And then um, for the social bats that aggregate, you know, and and in caves together, uh, it's even more problematic because the close proximity of individuals means that you get faster disease transmission, right? So we can see that in human. Now, you know, transmission of of this disease has happened very rapidly because we're such a globally connected species. Mm -hmm. And so little brown bats who are normally very social and gregarious have started distancing out. What they don't know is what we don't know the answer to is did that distancing happen because they chose to distance or because individuals died and they just didn't aggregate again. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and another bad species, they keep re-aggregating after individuals die and staying in close clusters and they're continuing to be affected. Whereas the little Brown bat has seen a reduction in mm-hmm. death rate because they're just not re-aggregating. They're staying socially distant. Um, Vampire bats, when they sense illness, they Mm -hmm. create physical distance. They don't groom each other as much, so they don't touch each other as much. Okay. Um, You know, and not every species has the ability to do that because perhaps the social structure requires super close contact, like we see with um, honeybee collapse and how disease can spread rapidly. Uh, so I think that those are some of the things I think about in terms of, well, we can look at um, comparisons with how other species, especially social species, mm-hmm. change their response um, to being social when disease shows up. Mm-hmm. We can also look at the fact that some species, you have a few small number of individuals who are responsible for the majority of disease transmission. We have mm-hmm. that happening too. Um, 
And then this idea of, of sort of social distancing, you know, and how people are reacting is very peculiar to me, you know, how aggressive people are reacting when you are requesting physical distance. Um, oh, yeah. this, right. And, and this has always been strange to me because I personally have always preferred a certain amount of physical distance between me and other people. Mm-hmm. And, and I think many people feel that way. Everybody has sort of their own personal space that they feel comfortable. And you, we have always encountered that person who wants to be in your space and you're like, Oh, and you back up and they keep coming. And they then, you're, coming. And then and you're like, why are you still coming? Did you not get the social cue that I'm backing away from you? <laughs> right. Um, so, so we, we, we are so verbal that we've forgotten to pay attention to physical cues Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that it's deliberate or people are just in their own little world and they don't notice how others around them are reacting. Um, so, so there's that component where other animals have comfort zones mm-hmm. of where they want you in their space and where they don't and how yeah. close you can get, you know, before you trigger uh, either a fear response or an aggressive response. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think about that. Uh, mm-hmm. so there's so many ways we could, so many avenues for us to go down on, uh, that, that this kind of situation, and then there's the disparities. I mean, you know, I just want to point out, you know, I, I am a big fan of the idea of wearing masks, but I also recognize that my experience of wearing a mask is not going to necessarily be the same experience that everyone else or someone else might have, um, because, I might be very privileged in being able to cover my face and nobody's going to assume that I'm there for ill intent, let's say if I walk into a bank. Mm, mm, mm. So, so there's, uh, you know, I think this situation is revealing and amplifying inequalities and disparities that have existed and really thinking about what do we want our society to look like? And, and are we doing things that support that, mm-hmm. you know? Wow, you just, to me, like, well, you just said so much in that, in that response. I, I mean, you kind of answered a few questions in one. That was, you know, because uh, I was going to ask about, you know, you, you know, elaborating some on what have you seen happening around you. Uh, I've seen it here, uh, you know, as well, where people are not respecting, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the, um, parameters, you know, or the suggestions, you know, to stay safe. Uh, you know, people are not taking it serious enough. And yeah, I mean, you have places, counties where thousands of people have died, you know, so it's just like, it's, you know, like it's real. And, um, and I, I guess I still find comfort in knowing that, you know, some call it the wild kingdom, but just, you know, our relatives, depending on who you're talking to, you know, have a behavior that reflects uh, something that seems to keep their population healthy, it mm-hmm. seems. And to keep them, um, you know, still around, still growing and, you know, like still able to take care of themselves. But it's like they know or they, right. they sense. OK, like you said, you know, the best like, OK, if they, you're sick, then that's when the grooming stops. You know, like I can't I right. can't groom you. I've seen I've seen when dogs have been sick and then they don't go around each other, you know, in a weird way. I'm like, how do you know not to do that? You know, right. Um, so, it, it, yeah, I just I just think that that's, you know, like powerful to, to hear you say that. Um, you know, is there, is there any, I still will ask you though, you know, what, what else have you noticed? You know, just, you know, just one behavior, uh, a human, I don't know what they call it, foul up or mistake <laughs> yeah. know, that you've seen. I would say I've seen, you know, a lot, well, I'm observing, you know, not, and in my place as well, uh, aggression, a, a real uptick in aggression. Um, and, and it's almost like, uh, 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 you know, a seesaw on one end, you've got people being super, super cooperative and helpful and kind. And, and then on the other side, you've got, you know, this real intense sort of aggression and, uh, and, 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 and I, I think it was Thoreau who said, I am, I am multitudes, right? So we're mm-hmm. seeing this multitudes in, in, in response. And I find it quite perplexing, <laughs> you, you know, uh, so, for example, I have requested someone stay, you know, 
Like if I'm walking, I live in an apartment complex. So it's kind of like, you know, I got it. It's like navigating a minefield to get out of here on foot. Uh, and I'm on one side of the, the, the street, you know, and, and then somebody's coming and they don't move. So then I move and then they move to my side and I'm like, okay, can you, sorry, excuse me. Could you pick a side? Right. And like, could you choose which way you're going? Cause you know, I'm thinking about animals. Like, I don't know if, 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 uh, one, one, uh, deer is walking that way and another deer is walking that way, yeah, unless they know each other, they're probably going to go to the other side or go a different way. They're not really necessarily going to like come head on. Let's go head on. Like, is this a game of chicken, right? This is really, that's a combat thing. That's a combative behavior. And most animals, even when they're in a combative mood, really kind of avoid physical contact. They do a lot of things before they make physical contact. So, so when someone does that and I say, okay, could you please pick a side so I know where to go? I'm happy to move out of your way. If we want to have a power struggle over which side of the road to be on, you can win. It's fine, right? Mm-hmm. But that's what it feels like. It feels like a power struggle of territory, like the whole world is a territory. Mm-hmm. And, and really, that behavior is really appropriate in your, in your home range, in your, in your, in your house, mm-hmm. right? Like... I don't move out of my doorway for a stranger. You know, you move, you know, you move right. for me. Uh, right. But, but so I'm seeing this kind of like, I own this street as I can, I rule it, you know? And so I'm like, can you pick a side? And the response I got was so hostile and, and, and mm. um, mocking and, you know, uh, like, Oh, please. It's, it, this isn't that serious. And, and it's sort of like, Really, why is that the hill you want to die on, right? Like, just pick a side. Like, is your, you know, so I'm wondering why people are, I don't know if it's because they feel out of control. So they're trying to uh, grab hold of some kind of control over their world. Or, um, you know, we just have a lot of people who feel that every space is a place that they can occupy and do whatever they want even whether, whether they believe it harms another person or not. Uh, and, and so this lack of respect of physical boundaries, mm-hmm. I think has always been a, an issue for some people, uh, yeah. right? But is amplified because we're wanting more physical space. And I don't live in New York City. I'm not on a crowded subway. I am literally in a place where there's so much open space. There's no reason for you to actually be anywhere near me. <laughs> There's no reason. It's very easy to go away from me. And yet, I, so I don't know if it's this need to be in close proximity, if it's a control issue, if it's a, an aggressive issue. But the response, the aggressive response, is sort of strange to me because my interactions with animals, I mean, I had a bobcat walk by me yesterday. Like mm. literally, what? yeah, I was on my patio and, and this bobcat comes and he's just, you know, you know, how bobcat saunter. He's like, I'm a bobcat, <laughs> you know, I'm a bobcat and I'm not worried about anything. Cause there's no mountain lions right here and there's no coyotes. And there's this woman talking to herself on a patio and, 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 and he walked right by, even though I was not silent. Right. But it was interesting as he came around the corner, which would have brought him in, in within, I think, five feet. Now, I'm up on a patio, so I'm not on the ground. You know, he didn't walk five feet next to me. Okay. Right? But I, sort of next to me because he, he or she knew I was there and, and was going around. Did not change their direction. But as it came to the point that would have brought it closest to me, it sped up a little bit to, you know, get, get by. Get by. Okay. Okay. I've had a bobcat walk in front of me about 20 yards and stop and, and, and just look at me. And I'm like, yeah, no, you win. Right. Just go. It's fine. I'm going to stop right here. It's, it's no problem. I didn't try to get closer. I didn't run at the Bobcat. I didn't, you know, I stopped and I moved out of the way. When I see coyotes out here, you know, probably about 50 yards is when they're unsettled. Mm. by okay. my proximity and i noticed mm. this because they do things like freeze 
and, and glare oh. at me like, you know, they just glare. I can't do a coyote glare very well, you know, but I can feel it where I'm like, gotcha. No worries. So all I do is I turn my back so that, cause face to face is the threatening position. Right. Yes. So I turn my back and then I peek and they, they cross wherever it was they want to go. As long as my back is turned. If I turn around mm. unexpectedly, then they're mad again. They stop and they're like, you know, so I, I, I try to always, I notice this with animals all the time. And yet what I notice with people is they're either oblivious or aggressive when, when, and they don't notice, they don't even notice it with animals, which is why so many people sometimes get attacked frankly mm, okay yeah i mean it really if you get attacked other than you know a sort of really weird situation most of the time when people get attacked by animals it's the person's fault true they missed all the signals either because the they cues. didn't all the cues or they ignored them because they didn't think they had to i've seen that never happened to me before but i've seen that right and so i think that that's the biggest thing I've noticed is this really aggressive response to people who are concerned, who do take it seriously, requesting a very simple thing. Can you please stand further from me? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm wondering why and when did you decide you had the right to be a certain distance from me? Right. Mm. And why do you get to decide what I should be comfortable with? Mm-hmm. You know? Understand. So that's mm. something. Uh, and so what it makes happen is, I mean, I'm thinking about baboons that get bullied, you know, they, they see the, the individual coming at them and they, you know, they got it. They're the ones who have to run away and, and, and they kind of like are distressed. And that's how I'm feeling every time I go out. Mm. I have to be the one to run away and, and feel fearful. And now we're having people getting their arms broken for asking people to follow the rules. We're seeing people get spit on, on purpose, coughed on, on purpose, shot, because they're asking, all they're asking is you're in public, you're out of right. your house, right. this is what we, we would like you to do. Mm-hmm. And, and they're acting like their liberty is at stake, but really oh, every man. single store has the right to refuse service to anyone. But the problem is that if I'm asking you nicely to adhere to a policy that you think is wrong or is stupid, the reaction is aggression and mm-hmm. violence instead of, fine, I won't shop here. I'll take my business elsewhere. Right. Live to see another day. Live to fight. Wow, no, that's. I was going to say, you know, like to, you know, but but you just did. I was going to say, kind of relate the human behavior, you know, like to to animal behavior. But I just think, you know, from a DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion perspective, you know, like that's just it's just it's, it's tough because we need to make these adjustments or these adaptations for our survival, you know. Right. And um, uh, even now. Um, I've been hearing, you know, um, different interviews and people talking about, you know, starting up the economy. No, we should be concerned about saving our lives versus starting up the economy and just showing. I think that it also shows you where our values are yet again, which we talked about in our in, in, in the last episode. Right. Um, but, you know, here's the thing, you know, I know that, we, you know, talking about other people, you know, can put sometimes a negative or a tough cloud. You know, I, I want to go to the positive because you obviously are you know, adhering to things, you know, um, and I, you know, and I, I, you're someone that I learned from, you know, so could you, you know, like steer the boat in a way of, you know, this is what we should do, you know, and maybe this is what we can learn, you know, right. from, from, from the animals on a positive note. And I'll say period. And then during this pandemic time. Yeah. Well, so I, I think I come down to, you know, the idea that, there's a real disconnect between what we say we want and how we act. So I think many people, if not most people want Mm -hmm. to feel safe, Mm -hmm. um, want to feel heard, Mm -hmm. want to feel connected. 
Yes. And that they believe in, uh, you know, nonviolence, cooperation, and co-equality. And, and I think that we say we want that, and, and I don't know that we behave in ways that support that. Mm-hmm. So I would say that for me, you know, what I want to see is, um, and, and we have an opportunity, right? This situation creates an opportunity. Uh, are, are we going to, are we going to pivot to the direction that would be co-equal, nonviolent, cooperative, right? No, Where, I like that. And, and, and then the, or are we going to continue the trajectory that we've been on for some time? And of course, I would like to see the former <laughs> and, and what, that re- what that requires is an ability to see others as yourself. Mm. And mm-hmm. I think that we, so, so not to be negative, but I see this phrase, we're all in this together, but we're really not. Mm-hmm. Now, if we were you know, a, uh, a, a, a single unit, a social unit that was experiencing the same thing and collectively deciding how to respond and, and really having a coordinated, well-defined uh, way of, of handling it, then I would say we are in it all together. But, but you know, we're all, on, I, I think I said this before, you know, I'm not sure to you or someone else, we're on the same ocean. Yep. We're in the yep. same storm. Yep right? But we are not in the same boat. Like some of us are gray whales and we can just, we're like, Ooh, it's a fun little ride today. And, you know, and, and uh, I can travel 10,000 miles away from this storm and be fine. And others are like little bitty sardines, which are just getting tossed up in the air. (laughs) And they're like, now I'm completely disoriented. I don't know where I am. Everything is wrong. And, and so, if we were really in this together, mm-hmm. a lot of our behaviors would be really different, including some of the things we already talked about. Everybody mm-hmm. would be wearing a mask. Right. Everybody would be staying six feet away from each other. Everybody would be ensuring that their neighbor or, 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 or their people yeah. have everything that they need. And mm. we would say, okay, you know, this is, mm-hmm. this is really uh, bad, but we're going to... And if we didn't have a society that was so driven by certain economic inequalities that exist, right. we feel this pressure to go back to uh, you know, normal mm-hmm. before it's really appropriate to. And I think there could yes. be creative ways. We'd be much more creative problem yeah. solvers. Yeah. And animals are creative problem mm-hmm. solvers. I mean, there was a raven that solved a puzzle box faster than a college student. Oh, yeah. There was a whole experiment. They made a puzzle box and like the raven solved it in a certain number of steps and a human took like it couldn't figure it out as quickly. So, you know, I think that that's because, you know, we uh, sometimes we make um, decisions based on information that no longer applies. We also commit sort of the what we call the Concord fallacy, where we continue to invest, and this is also an animal behavior principle, specifically applied to like foraging, um, where you know you're continuing to invest and overinvest in in a decision when the payoff is clearly not there, and and it, but because you invested in it already, you just keep going, um, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You just keep going with what you know and. And, you know, it's interesting because other species, even when they have hierarchies, like we have, you know, we do have a hierarchy. There's a class system in much of human society, not all of it, but in much of it. And even in other species, so, um, you know, whether it's gorillas or geese or um, uh, uh, wild dogs is another example, we're starting to learn more and more about collective decision making. And, and they don't just follow the leader because the leader says, let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there has to be agreement. And sometimes it's like, uh, it's like a two-thirds majority. And, mm. and so we're understanding sort of voting in other species. We're understanding collective decision-making. Mm-hmm. I think that 
um, what becomes hard is even in a social group, when individuals feel like they're fighting for their own survival, it becomes very, very hard to have good, strong collective action. Mm. And right now, I think, and, and always we have people who are fighting for their survival, but a lot more mm-hmm. are doing it now. Mm-hmm. And we also have a sort of cultural mentality of, of on our own. But now people mm-hmm. are hearing messages. We're all in it together, but you're on your own, you know? Right. Yes. Oh. So we're in it together, but you got to figure it out, boy. Mm-hmm. And, and when people are on their own, their behavior, solitary animals behave very differently than group living animals. And so I think that, and even within groups, when there's stress that's felt unequally across individuals, Mm -hmm. you get an uptick in some of the things that we're seeing. So the best Uh, thing we can do is actually be more like vampire bats who reciprocate and feed each other and take care of each other, you know, uh, and make sure that your basic needs are met so that you can be a positive functioning member of the group where you're going to want to see the group succeed. Mm, yes. Collective goal, right. Of, of survival for everybody. Mm. Um, and I'd love to see us take that corner for beyond the pandemic. I mean, that's been something I've wanted to see and write about for a while is, yeah. is, you know, we say we want to have, you know, we want to raise kids to be, be cooperative and sharing and all this. And, and, and yet we have a construct that undermines that constantly. So how do we get there? How do we actually get to true co-equality, nonviolence and cooperation? Wow. I mean, I think that everything that you, sh- that you said is uh, our ways or steps, you know, to get in there, seeing other people that we see ourselves demonstrating the kind of behavior that you want while still respecting people's differences and uniquenesses. So you're still treating them as they want to be treated. Um, relinquishing control, yeah. you know, of environment. So even relinquishing the understanding that it's my position to be in control and that I should work with um, others to get us to go far. If I want to go alone, I can go fast. If I want to go far, then we go together. Right. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that you actually did, did just answer that. And, you know, and I think that if we do that, that also alleviate the other bad issues and poor treatment, you know, that people are not only experiencing at home, but in our society, as you also alluded to, um, particularly based, built or as an effect of a class or a or a capitalistic system, predatory capitalism at that. You know, and so. Uh, as, as always, I have learned, you know, from you, you know, I want to ask you, is there something that you uh, would, you know, like to share, like, you know, leave us with or, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, like uh, a jewel from Dr. Jen <laughs> that you'd like to leave us with, you know, because, uh, well, I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll, I do say this. There's kind of one other question that I wanted to ask. And it's like, I always want to know how, you know, how, 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 how my people are doing, you know, and like you said, check in, you know, like with them and, you know, uh, how are you feeling during, during this time, you know, and then, and then I'll close with that, you know, so how, you know, like in the midst of us talking about others, you know, and I'm, I'll be honest, I'm one of those introverts. I can isolate, I can do this thing, right? you know, so I'm not so bad right now during this time, you know, sad of things that are happening, but how, how are you doing? Well, thank you for asking. First, I want to just say that I love how you deconstructed and translated the points that I made in in, in such a a beautiful way, actually, which is one of the reasons why I love talking to you because, you know, I feel like there's always this undercurrent of mutual understanding and and we're speaking the same language, even if we're using different words. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate how you summarized um, what I said and, and really did it very eloquently, much more than me, actually. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, with, <laughs> with that, you know, I've been okay. I, it, it's been a, a bit of a roller coaster ride, mostly because, uh, not because I, I'm, I'm not quite as introverted maybe as some, mm-hmm. but I enjoy spending long periods of time by myself. 
Uh, I think there's a psychological resistance to feeling like I can't do things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Even if I didn't want to do them, somehow it's like being a child and being told, you can't do this. And suddenly, you're like, yes, I can. <laughs> and mm-hmm. now I want to. <laughs> now I want to. <laughs> and, and really, for me, at least in the summer heat here in, Air, in southern Arizona, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be doing a whole lot differently. Um, I miss some of the close contacts, um, you know, with friends that, that we might get together once in a while. I don't really do social stuff every day. Um, I don't usually go into work uh, over the summer as mm-hmm. a professor. Mm-hmm. I work from home over the mm-hmm. summer okay. um, or do field work, uh, which I do on my own. So that's fine. I think it's really, um, for me, so I'm okay. I just... Um, I think there's been a reorganization of my priorities. Okay. It's it's accelerated a reorganization of priorities that was already happening, but on mm-hmm. a longer time scale. So it's kind of compressed it, mm-hmm. you know, where yeah. I feel like, where, where do I want to be and who do I want to be close to? And, and how am I going to feel if I never get to see that person again? Mm-hmm. And, awesome. and do I want to make a shift in, in the direction of my life so that that's a priority now? understand and so that's the biggest shift for me um and then even as an educator it's been hard because um you know everybody's been stressed Mm -hmm. everybody has has other you know trying to make sure i'm understanding and and that people understand we all may be affected by this differently uh and, 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 and there's this desire somehow to create a sense of normalcy. And I'm not sure that that's the right approach. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but, but holding the contradictory space of, of, okay, this is what's happening, but it's not forever. And, and sort of what, how do we go move forward during this is a real challenge for me, uh, sort of emotionally, psychologically. Um, so yeah, it comes it comes and goes. My okayness or not okayness. I, I haven't had a hug. Um, mm. You know, I, I live alone and and I have a cat. And while Senor Antonio Botones is uh, very fond of getting affection when he wants affection, he never hugs back. I don't know why. I mean, I hug him, but I have never once experienced him putting his paws around my neck and going, Ugh, you know. So. <laughs> so that's tricky you know to so that that very important sort of because you get a hormone release of oxytocin um if you hug for like 20 seconds and i don't hug strangers anyway i only hug people that i'm close to so missing that has been hard and um and the uncertainty you know i'm i am someone who likes plans and, and so even though the social part has been fine, that uncertainty mm-hmm. of environment and when it will change or not change or be over or not be over, or, you know, all of that is, is a struggle. But I'm very grateful. I'm, I'm very fortunate, you know, and, I, um, and so I look for ways to help other people. And then that makes me feel good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but thank you for asking. Yeah, and well, thank you I don't know that I have a gem for, for anyone, but I, I would say that, um, you know, gosh, I really, I really don't know. You know, I think that um, I, it's hard to have a gem to leave people with because I think, again, everybody, there's such a diversity of experiences during this time mm-hmm. that, that I don't know what would be helpful except to, have people it's so hard because i think we struggle to recognize the diversity in people uh, 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 not in a pandemic <laughs> mm. but the diversity of experiences that they have moving in the world mm-hmm. and 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 so if i could leave a gem snap your fingers and respect people and you know uh, be compassionate to people and ask how to help and if the way you can help is to stay 16 feet away from me, <laughs> then stay 16 feet away from me, right? 
That, I mean, just consider me a coyote, really. 50 yards of work. I might start, you know, looking at you. But so stop judging everybody. And, and, and at the same time, don't, don't put yourself onto other people, which is such a hard balance. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, all I can say is, you know, treat people like uh, they might be a mountain lion and that'll give you a good sense of how far you should stay away from them. <laughs> right. Imagine a mountain lion just walking right towards you and you might then be able to imagine the feeling that other people have when you get too close. <laughs> and, and so just sort of maybe use an animal in your mind about like, hmm, if I was a rabbit and that was mountain lion, how would I feel? Ooh, I'd be pretty uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and why is the, you know, you, the rabbit isn't going to try to, you know, punch the mountain lion in the face and prove that it's a big, big deal. You don't need to. Know. You know, I don't know. I think that's not a gem. It's just, there's nothing. I got nothing. No, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, all you did was drop gems. Matter of fact, I want to take a, a, another major lesson that you gave and just and apply it. Telling from the last thing that you said, uh, one of the challenges we have is trying to stay the same, you know, and you, you, re- and you recognized um, or made the choice that your, you know, priorities and things, you know, have shifted. And I think that that is a major thing that I'm taking. One of the major things, because I have so many, but from you and from your writing and your teaching is that we can't stay the same. And we hurt ourselves and other people if that's what we do when the times are calling for us to shift. And, and you know, and, and that's one of the things that I notice is uh, change is a hard thing for us. A quick change is definitely difficult. I don't necessarily always agree with quick changes, but I do believe in gradual and pretty moderate changes over time. And this pandemic has called for an immediate change. And I have definitely adapted to that immediate change. But I think that then let's let this immediacy feed into our moderate and then feed into us long term. Yeah. How we make these other changes uh, to prolong our our population, our society, not our traditions and not our ways, right. but our population and our society. I think if we would elevate life above tradition and life above our ways, life above how we do things, we'll do exactly what you said, Doc. So that's yeah. what I'm, I'm, I'm taking from that. Yeah. Well, and I love what you just said because I think you're, you know, thank you again for seeing through, you know, sometimes a lot of my, <laughs> my ways of looking at things and, and pulling out, you know, the thread. I think clinging to a tradition that doesn't serve is is in clinging to a way of doing things that where the environment has now changed. Yeah, rapid change is much harder to adjust to than uh, a gradual change. But you know, I don't say abandon traditions. I say create new ones. <laughs> mm. You know, we create new. Let's innovate uh, new traditions and new ways to adjust to a very, uh, you know, a situation that, that, that may have come on rapidly, but may not go rapidly. Yes. And, you know, and so sometimes, you know, gradual change doesn't lead to us adjusting or reprioritizing. We've seen that with climate change. You know, the more, the more gradual it is, the less we're willing to change until it smacks us in the head. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and what's interesting is animals, the ones that adjust other species, you know, the ones that are able to adjust and adapt and, 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 and create new ways of Mm -hmm. interacting Mm -hmm. with the world do better. Mm. And so if we can not think that we are defined by the traditions that we've had Mm. and you know, be like Madonna. Redefine yourself all the time. I don't know. <laughs> yes, she did. That's right. That that's right? exactly what she did. Janet Jackson, same thing. Keep redefining. Yeah. Keep redefining. Come out different. And, Beyonce, and, keep changing. And ravens redefine themselves. If they're in urban environments, they're one way. And if they're in super mm. urban environments, they're another way. And if they're in rural environments, they're another way. And if they're in forests, they're another way. So mm. the species that we see do the best, especially on the landscape of humans are the ones that can adjust. Gotcha. Okay. 
See, another gym. You just did it. You just did it without trying. You see that? You see that? <laughs> I do. Everybody. That's what I saw. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You did it. You said it. That's right. <laughs> Well, well, Doc, I, I really appreciate your time. For, for real, I, I appreciate your your brilliance. You educating me. Uh, you uh, you know, also making me laugh because you do that every time we talk. You know, without trying, and uh, but also motivating me to want to continue to do, and then also to do more at the same time. You know, like so the things that I definitely will continue to do, and then there are uh, you know things that I you know, some new things that I can also add, you know, to continue to be safe, uh, healthy, considerate, and, um, you know, and also careful, you know, not just for me, but for, but, but for other people, whether it's myself, or friends, you, or those people in the grocery store. So, uh, so thank you for your time today. Thank you. Uh, you really blessed this Heartwood podcast episode. Uh, it's one of the best ways to do this in quarantine. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. And thank you for having me on and you inspire me to do more and be better. And um, even though you might be an introvert, you inspire me to connect more deeply with other people. So thank you. Oh, well, you know, all right, I, I'm going to take that. Thank you. Hey, all right now. Hey, the introvert has helped. Uh, <laughs> well, I want to thank you all for, for tuning in and listening to another episode. Uh, you just heard from Dr. Jennifer Verdolin and Jen, tell them how they can find you. Uh, well, you can find me on my website, uh, jenniferverdolin.com. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at RealDrJen. There's no fake news here. So, uh, And then I have a, <laughs> a YouTube channel where I've been uh, making some, trying to make some good videos celebrating women in science and, and celebrating animals and human behavior. Uh, that's Wild Connection TV. So there's, there's lots of ways to connect and, uh, I appreciate, uh, you know, people taking the time to reach out, ask questions, watch videos, read anything that I've written. It's awesome. So thank you. It's true. Read anything she's written. It is awesome. I appreciate <laughs> you for doing that. Everybody until next time, this is Hardwood. Talk to you later. Hardwood is a production of the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies in New Haven, Connecticut. Our producer, engineer, and editor is Chris Perkins, a joint degree student between both the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies as well as the Yale School of Management, where he is getting a Master's of Environmental Management and a Master's in Business Administration. I am Thomas Richard Easley. We'll see you next time. Thank you.